during the breakout session uh, and if we open the floor to questions later on during the event. Uh, to our speakers, now if you could just kindly keep to about one minute each to the questions because we might run short on the time. Um, that's pretty difficult, I know, but we can answer all the qu uh, guest questions a little bit later. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, let's introduce each of our speakers. I know you have had some information already. First up, we have Simone Hing. She is the founder of CourageousSpeaking.com. She's a human connection specialist, inspiring people to connect in a world thirsty for connection. And as a former international broadcaster for one and a half decades for the likes of CNBC, CNN, HBO Asia, and Virgin Radio Dubai, she now speaks to organizations around the world on the connection techniques that authentically bring us together. And in 2020, she created the CorectSpeaking.com community, an online membership centered on presentation skills, which aims to empower people all around Asia to connect with their authentic voice. Secondly, we have Christina Lee. She is the founder and CEO of Global Green Connect. Now, previous to being an entrepreneur, she was appointed as Asia Managing Director of the leading global business media, Bloomberg Business Week, where she worked for 12 years. She was also named Asia's Top 30 Eco Warriors 2019 by social media network Green is the New Black, amongst many other awards. She set up Global Green Connect, providing consulting services to keep companies to integrate ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance, as business and brand strategy. Thirdly, we've got Rebecca Yu, who founder of the Maze Own. Now, Rebecca founded Maze Own, a social enterprise based in the Philippines, which supports children and women through education and employment. Steadfast in the belief that communities can become more enabled through employment and support for individuals who lack opportunity. Rebecca actively tries to make a difference through her social enterprise, Maze Own, uh, also known as www.mazeown.com, retaining handmade lifestyle items and all net profits are channeled towards providing underprivileged students in the Philippines with access to education. Currently, 300 students are beneficiaries of Mays Owns Education efforts. And last but not least, we've got Carol Chen. She is the founder of Maskella. She's been profiled on Forbes and CNBC and named one of Harper's Bazaar most stylish women in Singapore. She's a serial entrepreneur who has built five businesses across four countries. And she's had a fashion label in LA, which was sold at over 300 stores, a uniform factory in China, which manufactured for top teams, including MMA brand in Hong Kong, worn by top international fighters and a designer dress rental company in Singapore. Now I've been there, which dressed the stars in the movie, Crazy Rich Asians, which by the way is on Netflix. I'm sure you've seen it. Recently, Carol launched Muscala, uh, a social enterprise which provides high quality, fashionable and functional face masks and donates to various causes around the world. Well, let's let the information sink in just a little bit. Take a deep breath, ladies, and I'm sure our students have their listening ears on and our questions in hand. So let's get the ball rolling. Let's hear from each of these ladies. I'm going to just open up the floor. Um, if you want to go in the order that I introduce you, that's also fine. Now, I just want to ask, what made you guys decide to launch a social entrepreneurship? And how did you decide on your beneficiary? These are pretty tough decisions. 
Okay, I suppose we'll go in the order that uh, Claire introduced us in. Um, in. In my particular case, and actually Claire and Sarissa and Carol probably all know this story as people that I know. Um, I was facing particular issues in the workplace I worked in prior to becoming an entrepreneur, where I saw people who had great opinions, creative opinions in the workplace, but because it some point they had lost their confidence, they um, didn't speak out and advocate for their ideas. And then when I started one-on-one -on -one coaching, I discovered with my Singaporean clients, Singaporean raised clients, there was largely an issue of at one time in lower educational childhood where they were shamed and told to shut up or they were em embarrassed in front of their class for not getting a great mark. And from that point on, they lost their confidence to speak. And as this also was happening in my own personal life, the only time I've ever not been confident to speak was when I was in that previous workplace and was kind of being bullied. And I remember standing at the Singapore International Film Festival and I had to in introduce Dev Patel, like this well-known actor. And at the age of like 32, trembling and scared to open my mouth because I had just been, you know, sidelined in this workplace so much. And I realized what a detriment it could have to your life and your career if you couldn't connect your ideas and what you truly wanted to say in a way that was palpable and acceptable to other people where your ideas could be pitched or sold. It's a huge career block for people. But the big thing with CourageousSpeaking.com is I knew that there was a whole group of people that couldn't afford one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is four figures, right? So how would I service people in the Philippines, Thailand, India, all of these markets where people are not earning a lot of money. So I take the same education that I do a lot of the time for B2B, for corporations worth thousands, and I do it in our community um, for 15 US dollars a month because I want everyone in Asia to learn to overcome those early childhood kind of blocks in terms of uh, public speaking. Thank you, Simone. Uh, Christina. Hi. Um, I think you just mentioned um, Global Green Canach, which is a umbrella brand, but we still have a social enterprise because tonight the topic is social entrepreneurship. So um, my journey started with um, GGEF actually, um, stands for Global Green Economic Forum. So as a media girl, I would say, you know, we, I, I constantly do a lot of um, um, ma uh, matching up people or matching up business. And when we see that um, the matchings turn into something, you know, it just really make us happy. And I thought, you know, how can we use that skill to empower the next generation or empower business? And I, I would say, you know, from um, when I was working for international media, I see there are a lot of um, environmental issue or social is issues were hindered by um, the conventional business model. And how can we make change? I would say, you know, when I started the business, it was more like um, an ignorance. I didn't really think too much about entrepreneurship, but I just had this great passion about making change and connecting people. So we started off with um, the conference, um, which is GGF, and we decided that we want to make it as a social enterprise. And when I left corporate um, eight years ago, all I knew was just, you know, a bunch of uh, corporate executives or C-level executives. But I just knew, you know, it's so hard to make change or get them to make change. However, young people gives us a lot of hope. Um, so when we started the uh, social enterprise, we were so committed that we want to put part of our income back into foster future leaders to make change. So that's how we 
set up a program called One to a Million, which we take part of our income that generate from corporation sponsorships. We put it back into the students program. And I think it kind of make us quite famous because um, a lot of young people benefit from our program. And those who got sponsored to Antarctica, not with me, but follow um, 2041, Robert Swan, they all came back to make a huge difference. And the reason why we call it one to a million program is because these people, individual, they came back and they make a huge impact and change in their own community and industry. I think it really makes us happy when we see them. And I, I always feel like, you know, even they're all grown up, I sometimes I feel like I'm their mom, you know, like you send your child and then they graduated and come back and they are doing great impact. Um, in fact, the very first students that we sponsor from NUS, now he just took up a job two months ago, joined AIIB in China to lead their ESG investing. So for us, you know, I, I joke and I said, maybe I should change the program, call it one to a billion, because now what he's going to do will Im impact billions of people along Belt and Road and the investment decisions um, that AIIB will be doing. So um, yeah, in a nutshell, um, of course, you know, you just mentioned about Global Green Connect and that is our consulting work. Um, so we feel that we need to, Find, we need to make, in order to make impact, we also need to make it financially viable. So our consulting business is our, indeed our bread and butter, but everything that we do, eat and breathe sustainability. Thanks so much, Christina. Uh, um, yeah, hi, so I'm Rebecca and thanks so much for having me. Um, I don't have like a, a really big project, so I'm very uh, honored to be here, but, um, I guess my journey started about five years ago. <clears throat> Sorry, it's not COVID. Um, I just, uh, I, I was a volunteer with uh, a lot of women's shelters in the Philippines. And I think at the time I was an international relations student at Monash University. Um, and I felt very compelled to go to the Philippines and figure out exactly what was going on because at the time I wasn't aware that sex trafficking was such a big deal. Um, so I had no intention of actually becoming a social entrepreneur, but I had every intention of just helping and finding out more about the issue. Um, and so I volunteered, I taught English, I helped in the rehab centers wherever I could. And five years on, um, I moved there full time and I decided to start Maison because I felt like there were so many parts of the community that needed help. and and didn't have the right visibility, didn't have the right access to opportunity. And for me, I really do believe that education is the greatest equalizer. So um, providing an education to these young women was um, really, really important to me. And actually COVID, <laughs> COVID made me look at education technology and, and how quickly that scaled and how fast that could actually um, give access for these kids to, to a quality education. So. That's what we're doing now. We're, we're helping a lot of these kids transition to online learning. We're also trying to match them with mentors um, who are actually university students in Singapore so that they don't lose that human interaction. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, I think what's very common with all of the speakers today is that we feel compelled to do something. And, and, and that's really why I started and how I started. So 
Thank you, Rebecca. And uh, Carol, please. In April, before masks were mandatory, I was wearing my surgical mask around when nobody was taking COVID seriously. And they would, <laughs> they would ask me, you know, why are you wearing a mask? You look scary. And, you know, it didn't make me really confident about trying to like keep myself safe and others around me. So I said, well, rather than, you know, having a mask that looks, makes me look scary, why don't I just make one that makes me look fabulous? And then no one's going to have an issue with that. So basically, I launched right when <coughs> started. And um, of course, then masks became mandatory. And then I realized that we really had an opportunity. Um, but instead of just making like any kind of fashion mask, like I really wanted to take this opportunity to give back to the community because I knew that it was something that everybody needed. But I wanted to make sure that we could actually do it where it was helping what was happening. So we made a commitment to donate a mask with every mask purchased. And uh, so we've made like hundreds and hundreds and maybe probably thousands of donations to the Migrant Worker Center um, for surgical masks by now. And then we also uh, dedicated some very special masks to you know causes that I'm pretty passionate about and ones that just kind of inspired me. So like I, you know, I came across this like really cool kind of like dragon print. And it really reminded me of like Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. So then I really wanted it to be geared towards women empowerment. So then like the proceeds from this mask goes to you and women. Uh, when Singapore had the whole like mental wellness, see it blue campaign, then I made like a blue Singaporean um, SQ mask. And we actually donated these to a bunch of women. I literally just posted, I was like, if you are going through, you know, mental um, issues right now with depression, suicide, you know, let me give you a mask for free and hopefully it'll brighten your day. And like women absolutely loved it. Uh, when World Environment Day came up, I was really inspired to do a, uh, the theme this year was like biodiversity. And then I found this amazing sustainable linen fabric and I put a little butterfly on it. So all the proceeds go towards the Environmental Defense Fund. And then recently um, the breast cancer, of course, breast cancer awareness month we made this one. So it's just been like really fun to be able to like create things that can also give back to the community and like allow people to kind of just pick and choose things that they're passionate about. Uh, and then also really just like, you know, feel like I can make a difference uh, while the world is frankly so crazy right now with everything happening. So, you know, just like, it, it, you know, it's kind of surprising like, we decided to uh, give these to actual people who had breast cancer and a lot of people reached out to us and they're just like, you know, this totally makes my day because when I wear it to my uh, cancer appointments, then it just makes me feel like I can still shine and sparkle. So those kind of, you know, I mean, it just makes me feel really good about what I'm doing right now. And it, it just makes it so much more worthwhile because obviously making face masks is just, you know, it is what it is. But being able to put that twist and have like every purchase go towards something good just 
uh, makes the whole business really meaningful. Thank you, Carol. Now, I was going to ask you, um, how do you decide to go on this career path? But a lot of you, well, all of you have actually answered this question, how you went on this career path and what considerations um, did you make um, for that decision? So I'm going to hand it over now to the Project Empower who are going to ask their questions as well, ladies. So uh, what does your typical day at work look like? Am I starting? Okay, yeah. I'm going to start. Um, so just to break it down, I think a lot of people don't know, like most speakers who have a speaking business, they don't just speak. So they'll have other pillars like coaching or corporate training. Um, for me, it's a little bit, I, I do do obviously keynote speeches are the pillar of the income that comes in. Courageous speaking is something that we're building and growing and then um, social media posts. And I still do, I'm reporting at the moment for CNBC. I do bits and bobs still of media work. And so between, and of course, one-on-one -on -one coaching as well. So I have executives like Forbes 30 under 30 winners all the way to people who work at Amazon. And so they come to me as well. So the day is kind of a cross section. If you think of these sectors as slices of like layer cake, every day is, and I think the other entrepreneurs on this will understand is like a slice of running between uh, these things. And at the moment I'm also applying for my Singapore permanent residency. So I have a lot of work to do for that. And I'm studying at Harvard online. So the day is crazy. My answer is the day is just like a quella piece of all of those things. <laughs> Thank you, um, Christina, would you like to go next? Sure, I, I can't agree more with uh, Simone. I think it's very hard to define what, you know, like what we do, you know, on a regular basis and um, I like to say, I would like to say that, you know, like I don't really see my work as work. So I would say, you know, like I, you know, like for, for example today, you know, and I work from home and then I could roll into the office later on, you know, if I want to. And if I need to see my, you know, like colleagues, we need to discuss, you know, face to face, then that's what I do. Um, but since we do have two pillars of businesses, one is the consulting business, which is a little bit more serious. We go to a meeting, we meet clients and try to help them to identify what their needs and find solutions. Um, and also there are a lot of people who come to us, you know, for advice. So I, we also have, you know, a, a chunk of advisory um, services, you know, whether it's uh, pro bono, whether it's for, um, for profit, you know, we do quite a lot of Part, you know, that kind of work. And then it comes to social enterprise because um, we still, you know, I'm still very involved in the social enterprise part. And um, that involved, I would say that is the fun part that involves a lot of work to work with young people and talk to young people because we learn from you. So we, you know, like we create program, we want to serve you, but we also go to you and say, is it something that you would like, something that you need? Um, so, and then, you know, when we put together our event, um, we talk to, you know, speaker recruitment. So I would say that, what is the word, Quelabi? You know, it's a very good, you know, description from Simone. I love it. So, um, so I don't really see it as, you know, work, work. Um, I try to, people always say work-life balance. I would say work-life very in balance um, in a sense that, you know, you just, Go with the flow, you know, like, and, and you just sometimes you just know you need to have time out, you need to have your own, you know, like, um, solitary time, you know, to have to clear your mind. Um, but you know, if if you do what you really love, then you don't really see it as work, in my opinion. 
yeah. Thank you so much. Rebecca, would you like to go next? Hi. Um, yeah, it's it's Aquila piece, guys. It's <laughs> the days are very long. <laughs> the days are very, very, very long. And I think um, okay, so usually you know it without COVID, I would be flying a lot just because um I, I'm I was living full time in Manila, so I would just plan it around travel. Manila has a lot of traffic, so I would try and theme the day to a location. Um, you don't have that problem in Singapore because everything is at most 15 minutes away. Uh, but in Manila, it was just, I would plan to just be in one area from like 8 a.m. To, to maybe just after, maybe before 4 p.m. Um, but now, yeah, I mean, it's a, really a cross-section of different industries. I'm, I'm also doing some media work with social media um, because I get involved in certain campaigns, especially if they're involved with uh, empowering women. So sometimes I go for shoots, like tomorrow I have a photo shoot. Um, I also represent a couple brands. So I work with like Bobby Brown and, and La Mer uh, on occasion. And um, I also have a lot of work. So I plan out my social media posts and I, I take a look at the designs that are coming up for the holiday season. So for Christmas, we're launching a baby collection that's actually designed by students from the art faculty. So these are um, differently able people in Singapore who are very, very talented. A lot of them are actually around your age and uh, they designed some prints for me. So I take a look at that and see what goes with, with everything and what the swatches, the fabric swatches look like. Um, and it is interesting, but it means that I, I need to really plan my my me time, right? So I think a lot of the time now we talk about self-care and um, Christina, you mentioned a bit about this and it's so important to make time for, I guess, ourselves. And so, um, at least three times a week, I work out and um, I'll also read. So right now I'm reading uh, Lessons for the 21st Century. Um, and, and I guess that's what keeps me um, in, in one piece. <laughs> Otherwise, if, if we're doing so many different things, um, the days get very, very long and, and we kind of forget why we're doing it. Carol? Um, well, my interns think I'm absolutely crazy for trying to run three companies at the same time. But basically, up until last month, I still had Cavatella. Um, we recently decided to uh, close it or put on hiatus. We'll see. Um, so for the last month, we've been doing massive sales. I've been going to the store. We have to sell off all of our thousands and thousands of beautiful gowns and accessories and you know basically I mean it was a nightmare just moving out of our showroom selling all the furniture um, on top of that of course Mascala keeps me super busy um, we've been shipping to like over I think 13 countries now uh, it's been growing super super fast we do a lot of um, private label for um, corporates as well we just closed a huge deal with a public company so we're doing, um, I mean, it's, it's crazy manufacturing. I've had to go through like seven different factories to make uh, the mask that I wanted. It seems pretty simple to fa make face masks, but it's actually, you know, for a perfectionist like me, um, I took like three months in R&D, iterating and iterating um, 
to have like really the perfect mass. Um, so that's uh, a lot of trips to the factory, a lot of chasing, a lot of order fulfillment, you know, e-commerce, social media, all of that stuff every single day. Luckily, I have a great team that I can delegate a lot of things to. Um, so that really helps a lot. And then after hours, I've actually launched my own brand again. I used to be a designer when I was in the U.S., but I haven't really designed since. But this opportunity came up to compete for the Singapore Fashion Award, uh, which is a government-sponsored program. Uh, and the grand prize is that you get your own fashion show at Paris Fashion Week. And so um, I made it as a top 10 semifinalist and then a top five finalist. And it's been kind of like a reality show format. So I've literally been working around the clock with these three businesses and then designing and sewing until like five in the morning, trying to uh, compete for this. And that just happened uh, last week. We just, I just finished my entire collection. You can see um, one of my pieces at Design Orchard. I have my own window. So, you know, closing one business, growing one business, launching another business. And then um, on top of that, I'm also opening a restaurant with this uh, Michelin chef here in Singapore. So I like to stay really busy, <laughs> as you can tell, um, but I love it. You know, I, again, I think I get a lot of fulfillment from creating value um, in my communities and if any of you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, just know that it's a lot of work. Uh, but what's great is that you you get to make all the rules. You know, I if I am not sleeping till five six a.m. If I don't wake up till like eleven a.m., like nobody's gonna say anything, right? But at the same time, my team knows that they have to work weekends, they have to work evenings. My interns have literally been at my house till like midnight some nights, and then. They're always on call on the weekends, you know, always dealing with customers. This e-commerce is 24-7. So I really don't hire anybody that, uh, unless they want to become an entrepreneur, because it's not the easiest task, uh, but it's really rewarding because you actually, you know, feel like you get a lot done. And um, yeah, I, I feel like it's really exciting. It's challenging, uh, but very worthwhile. Thank you so much. So um, what motivates you to continue doing what you're doing despite all the challenges that you face? Mm. Would Simone like to go first? Or if not, uh, Carol, would you like to go first? Okay, sure. Uh, what motivates me? Oh my gosh, I was just asked this question in another interview, but... Um, Really what motivates me is all of my blessings. Mm -hmm. I feel so lucky. I always say like, you know, in the game of life, I've been dealt five aces, uh, which is really like my family, my friends, my health, uh, my fiance and uh, opportunities. You know, I I've already feel so privileged being healthy, having my sight and two, two hands and I can walk um, to be able to do the things I wanna do. And on top of that, having the best family and friends to like support me throughout everything and anything I want to do to really make me feel like I can be unstoppable. Um, and, and I think, you know, with all of that, I do feel like I have a responsibility because like, you know, God gave me all of these gifts and blessings 
I think it would be like a, a shame if I didn't really utilize them. And, and therefore I do feel like a responsibility to kind of give back to this world when I can. And, um, you know, life is short. So like, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I gotta like live out all my dreams and do as much as I can for this world uh, while I'm still able to. So that's what keeps me going every day. Simone, would you like to go next? actually had an audio issue so could you please repeat the question oh, okay um what motivates you to continue doing what you're doing despite all the challenges that you face um i i think there's an intrinsic <laughs> intrinsic desire to basically like carol said make the most of my time mm -hmm. here like i um i feel for many many years in entertainment i really played beneath my full potential. Um, I stopped learning for about a decade and I got really dumb really, really fast. And so now I, I part of how hard I work, I think my assistant is like, thinks I'm a crazy, um, is that I'm trying to also make up for that lost time a little bit. But at the same time, I think the, the work that I used to do that used to keep me busy when I was in full time was very self-serving work versus what I do now with courageous speaking or even when I see somebody who has very little aptitude in presentation skills, gain confidence and transform themselves and be able to speak up and get that promotion. I think seeing those sorts of results is very, very motivating to me. And it goes so much beyond myself. I think that's something that also happens with age. I think your 20s are spent running around and then your 30s, you know, people become mums, people get married, people want to contribute. Um, and if you see everything that's happening in the world right now, Obviously, the work that I do is not just within Singapore, it's APAC and then global. And the ripple effect of what we're seeing in the US happen in terms of learning to speak up, learning to articulate your argument is going to have a flow on effect here into Singapore and is already. So it's important work to allow people who have great opinions and great voices to learn to present that in a way where they can be heard. Thank you. Um, would uh, Christina like to go next? Or uh, Rebecca? Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. sorry. I, I, I was on mute. Um, well, I, I'm sure all the entrepreneur here would share um, my my uh, experience. You know, I think if we just focus on our challenges, um, I don't think we'll be able to make it. You know, make it through the day. Um, it's just so many challenges. But um, for myself, I think there's a purpose um, because when we started a business, we had a very clear purpose that we wanted to um, make change um, by and by empowering um, whether it's next generation or women or um, even empowering business to make change, um, to come out from the conventional business. So I think that's a crystal clear for us um, when it's come to um, purpose. And when um, as much as sustainability or ESG or impact sounds so nice, when we started a business eight years ago, nobody understand what we are talking about. Nobody understand what social entrepreneurship is all about, let alone we are entrepreneur and in sustainability business. So it's almost like a double whammy. So, you know, like it, everywhere we go, it took us so long to explain to people why we are doing what we are doing. So um, I would say, you know, like we, we've come a long way until now it's like seven, eight years. And um, we're really happy to see um, young people, especially increasingly more and more entrepreneurs are looking at 
impact. And, uh, and that's the reason why we have a Women Eco Game Changer Award that we started four years ago, because we see there are people who want to come into impact like Simone, Carol, and Rebecca are all women. And we tend to do it very quietly and make impact on our own. So we created, our social enterprise created the award four years ago to give recognitions and bring those women out. Um, and I think when, as we all work together, whether women or young people, I think we can build a sustainable future. Rebecca? Hi, so I guess for me, um, I guess on a more personal note, I just really am motivated to help. And I, I just feel like it's the right thing to do. I've, I've been given a very privileged position. I think um, Carol, you, you touched on that as well. And I'm so grateful for everything that I've been given. And um, it doesn't really sit right with me to do anything else. I can't imagine my life any other way. And um, it's super hard. I mean, all of us here can agree it is super hard. But when people are relying on you, when there are jobs that rely on your business to feed their family, um, that's all the motivation I need. I think given this sense of responsibility and given this opportunity, it doesn't make sense for me to do anything else with my life at the moment. And, um, and helping women and children is just something that I, I deeply, I'm very deeply passionate about. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know, it's just a feeling. <laughs> just <laughs> um, Rinin, would you like to uh, bring up the next question? Yeah, okay. So, um, all of you have talked about like how you're very busy like around the clock, right? So how, how do you maintain this like work-life balance and maintain your mental health? Uh, I'll, I'll take that one and I'll start by saying like I have no work-life balance. I'm still, you know, I started the business July 2019. So I'm still learning to do the self-care thing. I think a hot bath once in a while does a world of good. Um, I've failed at trying to do exercise regularly, actually. So I think it's something that I will have to learn along the entrepreneurship journey because I'm so new in it. I think the other women can probably add more value in there. But I would just like to say, I still think I have better mental health now versus my full-time job ever, ever. And I think it's to do with what Rebecca said about, I can't imagine doing anything else. It fits me like a glove, it's my purpose. Um, and I also don't have to deal with a lot of politics and bureaucracy that used to stress me out and cause insomnia and stuff. So even though I have not achieved anything near balance yet, it's still way better than being someone else's employee. Just if I, if you don't mind, just, I'll just jump off of that. Um, you guys are a lot of, a lot of people here are studying for their O-levels, right? And, and I think um, <laughs> you can agree that like, it's crazy when you have that something right in front of you and you just have to mug and mug and mug and get it done. And that's kind of the feeling that I have every day. So I force myself. So every day is like, oh, I'm gonna take my O-levels today. And it's very stressful. 
Um, but I forced myself to have a routine. I have a trainer. Um, she's also doubling as my therapist at the moment. <laughs> but um, but I, uh, I'm kidding. I, I'm fine. Um, but she, she kind of encourages me, reminds me, and, and keeps me responsible for my, at least my physical health. And, um, and then when, when I was in Circuit Breaker, I remember like taking a step back and being so stressed out that I couldn't be in Manila, so stressed out that a lot of people weren't in school. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to start running. And so I started running every single day during Circuit Breaker and I hate running, but I had to. And it just, I would force myself to go to a different park every single week. Um, and there are so many parks in Singapore, my goodness. And just taking that 20 minute, 40 minute break made a huge difference. I'm so happy. Uh, <laughs> I have no boyfriend. I have no, I have a dog. Um, I spend a lot. I don't spend as much time with my family as I'd like, but I'm so happy with my life. And I think um, learning, it's a journey. Learning how to take care of yourself is something that eventually I think we all grow into and I'm, I'm still growing into that now. I think we all are. Yeah. Okay. Christina, would you like to go next? Um, sure. Um, I think it's really hard to have work-life balance all the time. Sometimes it's off balance and then you just have to remind yourself to come back to get yourself balanced. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I always say, you know, being an entrepreneur is like running a marathon. So it's um, how much endurance that you can, you know, like balance yourself and make sure that you can keep going. Um, so I think from a, from a physical part, I try to exercise as much as I can or what I me mean, like I used to travel a lot before COVID um, just like Rebecca I spent a lot of time you know traveling around the region um, so I, I think you know sometimes it's you know physical is also come from mental so how much you know mental strength that you have to keep yourself um, balanced to find time to exercise to eat well to sleep well um, and also to spend time with your family. When I started my business, my son was only one year old. So some people thought that I was crazy. I guess I was crazy without knowing I was crazy. Um, so I constantly have to, you know, make sure that I, you know, like Monday to Friday, I would dedicate my time with work, but weekend I would dedicate my time with my son. In fact, you know, like during weekdays, I still need to squeeze time you know, to make sure that I look after him, make sure that he's being fat properly. Um, he's now um, nine years old, a very healthy boy, very happy. So I take it, you know, as, um, you know, uh, my job satisfaction as a mom. Um, I think when it comes to spiritual and soul part, I'm very fortunate that uh, I have my religions. I'm a devout Christian. So I think um, my God to look after my spiritual and mental health very well. Um, so I find strength in him, which I think it makes um, quite a lot of difference. When I talk to other entrepreneurs that um, if they don't really have um, a spiritual reliance, I would say. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's all very personal. Um, but yeah, I think it's very important to 
make sure that when you're off balance, you remember to come back to try to balance. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's less about trying to get to work-life balance and just, it's always just work-life integration. Um, you know, I've never not been an entrepreneur my entire life. So this is definitely the path I've chosen and that, you know, I like live and die for. So like, I, I mean, I tried to get a job like at one point and like nobody would hire me just because like, I don't have a typical resume. You know, I've just like always just <laughs> started businesses and I don't think people know where to put me at the end of the day. And then I just can't have a, a, a boss because like, I just like to I like to do so like um you know and that's and you know I just have to have that flexibility um you know I have to deal with the intensity that entrepreneurship co like comes with and I've accepted that you know I'm a lot of my friends call me the energizer bunny because I like barely sleep and I like can work like 100 plus hours a week non-stop and but then I do crash and then sometimes my health does suffer, you know, because I'm was competing for this competition. I haven't worked out in months. Right. But then I will try to balance that where like, you know, every year I'll run off to Thailand by myself and I'll do like a fasting retreat or a health retreat where I'll do like yoga and meditation and fasting for like a whole week and just be by myself and kind of like recenter, you know, but then I'll come back and I'll just like jump right back into like, you know, like the chaos of work again but having those moments of like being able to reset has definitely helped me um and of course it's not always like that you know like of course like having three businesses at the same time was definitely a very unique situation and it taught me why like like I was I you know Covetel has been my baby for five years and a lot of people were shocked when I shut it down but like, I was like, my plate was so full that I was like, something has to go. <laughs> you know, I cannot like live my days like this or I'm going to die. So like, you know, Cavatella was a business that wasn't making any money because nobody had events to go to. So my dresses were literally like just sitting there and I was paying rent for this 3000 square foot store uh, for nothing. So like, I was like, okay, well, this, you know, doesn't have to be an emotional thing. It is what it is. Nobody needs fancy dresses right now so like let me just like push it off my plate so that I could get a few more hours of sleep and sanity um and then you know the mental health thing I think it's really important to surround yourself with really good friends and a good support network you know Singapore has been really great that they have so many great um uh, organizations for female entrepreneurs and like also like SoGal like you know, it, it, Singapore is just so special because it's like a huge village in that sense. And like, I find women here like so supportive of each other, entrepreneurs, like super collaborative. So I feel like, you know, if your friends don't understand you, if your family sometimes doesn't understand you, then it's important to seek out like like-minded individuals that can help you, um, encourage you and keep you going. You know, like Christina said, like it is a marathon and you need those cheerleaders on the sidelines, like, tell you to keep going when you just want to give up and like fall to the ground, you know, cause you're going to have doubts, you know, like every, every week I have like imposter syndrome and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't do this. 
uh, during my competition, you know, in the U.S., I had won design uh, awards as a fashion designer, but like I hadn't designed in over a decade. So when I was doing this competition, I was literally telling my fiance like every week, like I cannot be a designer. I suck at this. I suck. Like I can't do this. Uh, but I had already committed. I was top five, so I had to crank out a, a collection, and it was so hard for me to do. And I didn't believe in myself. So all of my friends believed in me and my family, and they were just telling me to like push through. You know, you can do it. And just like at the end of the day, I did it, and I, I literally cried during my fashion show because I was like, I can't believe I did this. <laughs> and you know, they were right. Like the fact that even though I was doubting myself, that they believed in me really helped me keep going and so I think it's really imp important to find those people in your life. Thank you, Carol. Uh, well, it looks like nobody has a specific answer to that question. Just don't dilute yourself and you have to then, you know, make it make it a feel good factor or at least a positive one for yourself. Okay, we're gonna have one last question before we go into the breakout room. So if you could just maybe give one one point, one thing that comes to your head as a career advice to a student looking to launch their own social enterprise um, or if they want to join one, what would one career advice be? Um, maybe just a short blurb. Um, Simone. Oh, I actually wanted to, I was raising my hand just to add to what Carol said of, and I suppose this also answers kind of Claire's question. When we talk about like the intensity of being an entrepreneur and the pressures that come with it, it's also about what sort of animal you are. So when I say that, I mean like you're all studying right now for your final exams. Are you a routine person? Now I have a partner, we live together. This is the most routine person I've ever met in my life. And I know that he, the way that he plans his day and structures his day, he would hate entrepreneurship. He would hate that uncertainty. Um, so think about if you're thinking of graduating and the, the studies show that your generation, um, the girls on this call, 70 plus percent of you in the US stats want to be an entrepreneur over being employed. That's a huge shift in numbers from my millennial generation. So before you just graduate and go like, I'm going to be a business owner, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, think about how you like to live your life. Because some people I believe are born to be entrepreneurial animals and we inhabit that space and it feels it feels more natural to me. I can't believe I worked for other people for as long as I did, like Carol said. So that would be my advice before you take that leap. Just think about what sort of girl are you? What is your day like? How much of a regime do you like to have? Thank you, Simone. Christine? I would say um, I agree with Simone. I don't think entrepreneurship is really, whether it's social entrepreneurship or just entrepreneurship in general, I don't think is for everyone. Um, but if you do have a passion and if you do um, have a, a, you know, especially if you look at social entrepreneurship, you if you have a purpose-driven business idea that is like uh, burning in your heart and you want to give it a try, I would say just go for it. Because I, well, probably, gosh, you know, I may be the oldest, you know, in, in this group. Um, I spent 17 years with international media. So I would say, you know, 17 years working for um, company somewhat um, gave me a really good training, but also gave me a lot of baggage. Um, when you jump from corporate to become entrepreneur. So Carol, you know, like I think it's, it's perfectly fine that, you know, like when you never work for company, I think that gives you 
you know, less package, you know, to become an, to be an entrepreneur or a successful entrepreneur. So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, if you, you all are very young and, um, you just need to be a little bit sensible and rational to sit down and put a plan together, look at what you really want to do and do a, you know, evaluate, you know, a little bit of your risk. And I think you all can take, you know, a calculated risk when you're so young. And if, if it's a purpose-driven, if it's something you're very passionate about, why not give it a try? Thank you. I was, <clears throat> was going to say Rebecca, but it sounds like a doorbell's going off. Is that Rebecca's? No, no, no. I got my food. Okay, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead, Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, don't be too scared. I know we talked a lot about how uh, it's very stressful and the days are crazy, but I think uh, we, I, I would also like to convey that it is ultimately worth it if this is your heart and your soul, your blood and your sweat and your tears, many, many tears. Um, I, I would say, don't be afraid of failing. Um, don't be afraid of having to let go of, of certain dreams. Like with Covatella, Carol, you, you gave up Covatella and that was a, and, and that was a hard call, but it makes you strong in a way you didn't know you could be. And, and it also shows you what you really value. It also shows you where you are, where you are, not uh, weak, but vulnerable, right? And so I would say, just don't be afraid to fail. It's okay. I think um, the last time I spoke to a group of students, I was actually quite concerned that they weren't asking questions. Um, and that, that was because they were scared. So the only thing that was really preventing them from doing that was because they were scared of being embarrassed. And when you become an entrepreneur, when you choose to do social entrepreneurship, um, you, you really have to put yourself out there. And so please don't be afraid. Please don't be afraid to, to show who you are, uh, all of it, whether it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, it's okay. And, and um, you have women like us to support you always. So you're not alone. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. And lastly, Carol. <laughs> well, Simone, Christina, and Rebecca literally took every single answer I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love this panel. I mean, you, you guys are amazing. The, lots of really great advice here. Um, and I totally agree with all of it. I guess I should just add, you know, um, don't underestimate yourself. You know, you are a lot stronger and can do a lot more than you ever imagined. I mean, it's, it's crazy because like people look at me, um, this like huge luxury car, like I was driving a million dollar car today because they picked me as their ambassador. I cannot even imagine owning a million dollar car and much less being the face of their brand. And they picked me because they wanted an empowered woman who wasn't afraid to like chase her dreams and think outside the box. And it's so crazy because like, you know, I grew up in Texas as like one of the few Asians amongst a sea of white, beautiful white blonde girls. And I was so shy because like, you know, my parents are Taiwanese immigrants 
and I I just never felt cool enough, pretty enough. I had super thick glasses and braces. And I was just like very awkward. And I was so shy, I couldn't even like raise my hand in class to answer questions, right? And I was just kind of like this like ugly duckling. And that's what my dad calls me. And, you know, I literally had to like, just like force myself to just overcome my fear of speaking, of like being insecure and just like, like grind my way to being empowered, right? I didn't really have like that many role models besides my parents, but seeing my parents kind of like go from like broke immigrants to like, you know, community like philanthropists was like, you know, such an inspiration. But for me, just as like a woman, you know, like I forced myself to do beauty pageants because that was like the scariest thing in the world to me, to be on stage and to like have everybody stare at you while you like answer questions. But then the more I got used to it, you know, it's like, it's, it's amazing. And like, you know, that's why it's great that, you know, there's resources like Simone where you can literally have coaches to help you become, you know, more self-empowered because like she could literally unlock potential that you didn't even know you had, right? And there's lots of other like people out there, like life coaches, like watching Tony Robbins stuff, you know, there's, and, you know, just constantly trying to improve yourself and push yourself to become better will always help you no matter what kind of path you want to take in life. Just know that every day you're doing something to become a better version of yourself. Thank you very much, Carol. And end off that failure will lead you exponentially to success. That's what we're looking for. Well, right now, we're going to go out to the breakout rooms. That is the end of the panel discussion. I can ask your student, uh, the students here just to turn your cameras on so that they can uh, actually see you and have a conversation, interact with you. Um, it's nice to be able to see you. Um, I do believe our other co-speakers are going to put us into the breakout rooms. So we'll see you back in a couple of minutes. Okay, have we got everyone back in the room? Just checking. I think we've got a couple of people still left there. Oh, let's just check. Oh. How come oh, they're not doing the one big group? Oh, sorry? How come they're not uh, doing the Q&A in one big group? Oh, I think they wanted to have like uh, the students, the students would like wanted to go one on one just in case like to, to ask. Um, Carol, people are shy, you're in Singapore, people don't ask in front of everybody. I face this issue all the time. <laughs> uh, I can type yeah. in question, right? Yeah, but you can see the name in the question too, you see. 
Okay. Hi, Do we have Sweeling? Who else? We've got the other moderators back out. Oh, I think they're still asking questions. They're still asking questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you'd like, I could, um, instead of waiting for this, we could always ask Simone or, or, or Carol and other questions. Perhaps, Simone, what was your least favorite thing um, in overcoming some difficulties that you may have had with your company while we wait for everybody? I'm so sorry, it's a communications expert right there. Um, so, I mean, Carol, I'm sure you can understand whether when you first came here, you would have come here on an employment pass. I think the first thing was basically I had to leave the full-time jobs employment pass before I could get the um, employment pass hiring myself under my own company as a foreigner in Singapore. And that was extremely scary because they took ages and ages because I've worked on and off in Singapore for like my whole career, 15 years. So they have to go through all the track record of all the other times you lived here and everything. And so that had me shivering my boots because I didn't want to leave Singapore for any reason. Um, so I'm glad it went through, it was okay, but that would have to have been one of the most stressful moments. And then of course, COVID-19, which sometimes I think when we have a quiet time in our lives, it's a really great time to create things. So Courageous Speaking was a plan for about a year and I never got time to do it. And then COVID gave me the time to build it, which was really great. And then we did, because of Courageous, the biggest month we've done in the history of the business during the circuit breaker. So sometimes those really stressful points, I think anyone who's an entrepreneur, Carol, you, you can also attest this. Sometimes they give birth to really kind of amazing things push you against the wall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, COVID was really scary. I'm not gonna lie, like in February, March, when like it was getting really serious and all the events were getting canceled and like every day, like hundreds of customers were like messaging us, my event got canceled, I want a refund, my event got canceled, I want a refund. And I'm literally giving tens of thousands of dollars in refunds in like a month, <laughs> right? It's like all the money that I've made like in the past six months is just like gone. And I'm like, how am I gonna pay rent? How am I gonna survive, you know, the next few months? Like, how, like, how am I gonna eat, right? Like, how am I gonna pay my staff? Like, it was very scary. Um, but you just have to like, yeah, when your back is against the wall, like Simone said, you know, you have to just be creative and make it work. Right. And I, I would just add to that. It's also about the type of business too. like, you know, for the particular work that I do, like consultancy training, speaking, I don't have traditional overheads. Like someone like Carol has packaging product, you know, a physical space, whereas what I do is, is a bit fluid. So it also is the, the amount of pressure you have might also be dependent on the type of business. Because um, when you have stock, waiting there that has to be sold or, you know, it, I, Carol, my heart goes out. I mean, I was following you on Facebook going like, you go girl. And then wearing your masks on Instagram and like whatever I could do. Cause I know what it feels like when that pandemic um, hit. And I would just do free speeches during that time to like create momentum um, until they turned into paid speeches. Cause we never knew whether what would happen to keynote speeches would, what would conferences do? 
um, what would they would they have budgets? Would they care to do virtual? And of course, the answer is now it's all it's all online. Yeah. Is everyone back yet? Well, not yet. We're just waiting. Just to follow on to that as well. We're just while well, they come in. Um, even for myself, um, I had my own business called the Karting Arena that I ended up um, actually unexpectedly selling during the COVID which um, it was a fearful time, like everybody going to it, thinking, oh my gosh, tourism stopped. What am I going to do? Who's going to come to my cart track after like five years? Um, and one of the wonderful things is that um, we were able to sell the business. And actually from that, we were always tinkering on the idea of doing something else because that was like a passion project based on our lifestyle of motorsport. And, and, and being able for that, it was a blessing in a way because we were able to then focus on other projects that we really want to do, just like uh, both of you other guys. Um, so it actually gave leeway to, to, to greater things that we were able to create more, like everybody else has said. Um, so in some kind of way, it was really good. COVID was uh, an amazing opportunity and it brought like, um, yeah, just um, amazing opportunity to grow even not just from a business view, but from a personal view and relationship view. Okay, let's just see. Have we got? I know. The, I know everyone is just asking. There's like one more question over here. Let's just see. I think we have one more group that's supposed to come back in. Uh, let's ask just one more question. How did you raise money to support your company? That's an important question. A lot of people are wondering. Simone. Oh, I love this question. I'm really proud. Um, I bootstrapped my company. All the capital in the company is mine. 100% mine. I had a local director who put their name on to incorporate and then how you do it if you're a foreigner, they can just remove their name. So really proud when I say Simone Heng speaking private limited is mine, it really is mine. Um, but that's the case because like I said before, before everyone joined, my business doesn't have traditional overheads, like I don't have office space and things like that. So I could do that because it can all be done online and it's not location specific. Thank you, Simone. Okay, is everybody in the room? I just check with um, with Sweeling. I think I've seen everybody just rejoin again. Thank you. Yep, for I think so. Pardon? Yep, I think so. Everybody's here. Thank you so much. We were just carrying a couple of questions just to fill in the time. Well, thank you, everyone. It's been an amazing evening. Um, if you want to connect out, I'm sure there will be more information provided by Sogal as well as a project in power. Um, just want to say a big thank you um, to Simone, Christina, Rebecca, and Carol, as well as my co-host Sui Ling, Francine, uh, Yun Yin, uh, as well as Nicole from Sogo, uh, and Sarissa. And of course, to all our guests, thank you so much. Any last words from you guys? Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having us.